0: It was very fascinating when you had covered such large areas. It's obvious that South Greenland is the richest metal province in Greenland. It's got uranium and gold and zinc and rare earth elements in abundances larger than everywhere else in Greenland, whereas all of North Greenland is in rich in zinc.
1: Welcome to Polar Podcasts, where you'll hear stories from geologists who've spent their careers, their lives Exploring and studying the remarkable and remote geology of Greenland. Why did they become fascinated with Greenland? What were the problems and the discoveries that drove them? And what was it like working in these remote places, where few people venture, even now? I'm Julie Hollis. In this episode, we hear more from Alnina Steenfelt, Emeritus Senior Scientist at the Geological Survey of Denmark and Greenland, about developing the Greenland-wide geochemical sampling into a regional geochemical map of the whole island, a culmination of over 30 years' work.
0: I want to tell a little bit about how this geochemical exploration method turned into geochemical mapping, And from starting off with an area in East Greenland and applying this to uranium, how it developed into being a method and a mapping method that could look at a range of different chemical elements or metals and use them for various purposes. If you want to track a specific deposits, You suspect that there's something in a specific area you can collect densely around this area in the streams, draining it, and follow the increasing amounts of the metal you're interested in to the ore and locate the ore from there. And you do that at a local scale, taking, for example, samples at the 100 meter interval along a stream back to the, where you can see the sources. Or if you go further upstream and the concentration suddenly drops, then you know you have passed the area supplying all elements to the stream system. Developing this into a surveying method, we had to concentrate on systematic sampling at particular intervals, because then when you look at the results, you have to find out, can you find areas in Greenland that has been particularly enriched in specific elements? And you can do that by systematic sampling over large areas. It started with a large project in South Greenland. There we used a combination to get the overview, the airborne gamma spectrometry, where we flew with a helicopter. And then we did systematic sampling of stream sediment over the entire area. And then of course we followed up with fieldwork in the most interesting sites In order to do this, to make it into an overcomable task, you have to pick samples at a large interval. And with experience from Scandinavia, they had experimented with different scales, where I could pick the signal from different kinds of mineralization or ore systems. I decided with that we should use a scale of one sample per five to six square kilometers, And then on from there, because we didn't have the staff or the funding to collect densely, so I decided to do it at one sample per 30 square kilometers from there on. And the purpose in systematic geochemical exploration, you try to cover large areas with a low density of sampling stations, and then you look at regional variations. You can tie the Increase in certain elements to the rock assemblages in this area, but they cannot pinpoint the individual ore systems or ore bodies. If you start with a regional scale, or what we call reconnaissance scale, then you can always go back to the area and then increase your sampling density. And then, if you still find something interesting, you can go back to individual streams and follow up on the first results. So, that was a general plan for the coverage of large areas of Greenland. And over a period of 20 years, we have now covered large areas of Greenland. And when you compile these results and plot them on the map, then you can see some variation patterns in the element concentrations that you didn't know of. So that was extremely fascinating. You could see Something happening that you had not been able to observe. Because when you were in Greenland and you were on foot, you're always covering a small area for mapping. You don't see these large-scale variation patterns. Yes. So suddenly, by the end of the compilation, and I did that for South and West Greenland in 2001, I had the results from large areas of West and South Greenland. And I looked upon the element variation and at that time we had analytical data for the major elements and for about 30 trace elements. Analytical methods were not always good enough to pick out low values for some of the rare elements. Not rare earth elements necessarily, but rare elements like gold or arsenic. But we did pick out the high values so that these results can still be used to pinpoint large areas in Greenland where the crust has been enriched in these elements. Well, these are in our language called geochemical provinces. And there's been a debate over whether such geochemical provinces exist. But they do. There are areas of the crust that, by some process or other, have been enriched in certain elements or an element suite. And I compiled the results from North Greenland and from remaining areas in East Greenland and Southeast Greenland that was covered late in the mapping campaign in 2011. And when you look upon all this, it's obvious that South Greenland, for example, is enriched in a lot of elements. It's the richest metal province in Greenland. It's got uranium and gold and zinc and rare earth elements in abundances larger than everywhere else in Greenland, as it looked upon as a regional province. Whereas North Greenland, in particular all of North Greenland, if you go from Ingelfield land to Grand Prince Christian's land in the northeast, they are enriched in zinc. And barium, and that's something to do with the mineralizing systems on that carbonate platform and the sediments in that geological environment. And that was really a, a nice example of this data set when you compile such large areas. And then also... From that compilation, you could pick out areas where you had enrichment in rare earth elements, and that became very important at a certain time because of the increasing demand for rare earth elements, particularly, for example, neodymium, that is used in these special magnets used for windmills. And also the elements, sometimes called high-tech elements, uh, like niobium and tantalum, and they have seen increasing demand and that it's been very nice to say oh you're interested in this element well look at Greenland's stream sediment map the geochemical map of Greenland oh yeah look for where we have anomalies for this particular element and, and go there and look, look for for an, an occurrence
1: yeah.
0: that's been exciting actually the stream sediment chemical data can also be used in future environmental control because they document the natural variation in element concentrations in the surface environment. If high concentrations of arsenic, for example, is measured in soil at a place, it can be pollution. But to know how polluted an area is, you need to know how much arsenic that was produced by nature itself before the suspected pollution activity started. This information you can find in the geochemical map of arsenic. The map shows that some regions are naturally rich in arsenic and others are not. And that is of course important to know if we want to estimate the degree of man-made pollution. If you want to find out how rocks were formed, you need to know their chemistry. But rock samples have not been collected in all parts of Greenland. Typically, the geology was studied along the coasts, where you could use boats to get around, and some inland areas are poorly known because helicopter transportation has been too expensive. However, we have the stream sediment data now, and that can tell us what kind of rocks there are. Well, not precisely, but our experience is that the chemistry of stream sediment is fairly close to the chemistry of the rocks surrounding the stream. And we have many examples where we have discovered special rock types in places where they were not known before because we had seen some unusual stream sediment compositions there. Now that I have retired, I cannot let go of Greenland geology, and I continue working with geochemical data to figure out how this wonderful and spectacular part of the Earth was created. But I miss fieldwork, I miss the wilderness, the wildlife, The smell of arctic vegetation, the clean and cool air, the mountain views, the ice, the challenges of fieldwork, perhaps not mosquitoes. All that drove me back to Greenland, summer after summer,
1: for so many years. I'm Julie Hollis, and you've been listening to Polar Podcasts. In the next episode, we hear more from Emeritus Senior Scientist Björn Thomason about experiences with wildlife around Fleming Fjord in Central East Greenland.